Saratoga may be in the books, but we're thrilled to be partnered with Naira for the rest of 2023. Going to keep things going like they've been going, covering Saturday racing each week on the Players Podcast. We're going to have write-ups and analysis at InTheMoneyPodcast.com for free. More stuff behind the paywall, like Nick's notebooks. You can get that, InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash plus. You can find us on the Naira site under their Picks, Plays, and Promotions tab. And if you're looking to find out where you can find the America's Day at the Races coverage, we got you covered for that as well. For the full schedule, go to InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash TV. Welcome to a lean and mean old school edition of the In the Money Players podcast. This is our show for Tuesday, September 19th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn bunker once again. That's part of the that's part of the old school series. Excited. She wants to get in on the action. Um, and I am joined today uh, by the man who uh, co-founded this In the Money Media Network with me. And he is once again back in his native place, the planet Texas. He is naturally Jonathan Kitchen. JK, what's going on, my man? A little old school uh, in the money vibes, uh, dropping Austin off at school and then doing a podcast in the car, driving with my knee on the steering wheel, right thumb for the for the for the mic uh, mute button and the left hand to hold the wired microphone so it doesn't scratch against my shirt. I'm doing my best. <laughs> We really should have video for this. It it does remind me of, I think it was John Gasper. It was one of our hardcore uh, longtime listeners who joked one time that you did this, that that we were surprised that your your Uber passenger uh, didn't mind you you doing a podcast while you were, while you were driving around. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that one very much, but we don't, that joke really only works with when when you have the full visual, we've got the audio only here. Well, how have you been, my man? You just uh, got back from the honeymoon. It, I saw the Insta stuff. It looked amazing, but uh, give me the firsthand report. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was fun. You know, obviously we got married in in May at the end of May, um, the week before the Belmont um, in Italy, and so we had to kind of hurry back uh, for Belmont Stakes. And then you know, with the with the hustle bustle of the summer ahead of us, we 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 felt like let's just. It's actually my favorite move to do now is let's just leave the day after the meet. And, and I think it's a, a move I'm going to do moving forward in life, even if it's not a, an extensive trip like a honeymoon. But like, you know, for eight weeks, you have something to do, something to get excited about, somewhere to go, somewhere to people to see, places to, to eat. And, and, and then to wake up on that Tuesday after the meet ending, it's like it's, it's, it's like a sad kind of depressing moment of well, now what do I do with myself? But if you have a trip planned – then you go right into that mode and you and you skip over the I'm I'm sad that the meet's ending. The only negative is the last week of the meet is is a tad bit torturous because then you're excited about going on the trip. But outside of that, it, it makes sense to kind of help avoid the uh, the hangover. The saddest day of the year. Uh, Andy Serling might have been the first one I ever heard refer it to that. And I have uh, picked that up for about the last 15 years. But you're right when you've got other stuff cooking right away for me kentucky downs has helped with that you know the ability to to get down to nashville that one year that was actually right when we 
we we lived in uh, in England for those four months, and we left right after the meet. That that made the saddest day of the year not so bad. You gotta get you gotta get creative these days in how you in how you approach this stuff. And and for me this year, uh, not too bad. We did our little anniversary trip up to Toronto last weekend, which was fantastically fun. It was great seeing so many uh, of our Woodbine friends and just uh, so many people. The racing world really uh, squarely fixed on Woodbine last weekend. And those are the races we're going to talk about on this show. And why don't we start off with the Rico Woodbine Mile, grade one action. No surprise here, master of the seas, this galloping Dubawi came over and it was an interesting race. It almost looked like a mirror image of the previous run at Ascot, where there was a point there when the horse is making the lead where it looks like it's going to be this tough fought victory. And then he just keeps galloping and he gets to that point where you realize he's not just going to win. He's going to win by five. This came back with a 104 buyer speed figure and master of the seas, presumably going to head to uh, the Breeders' Cup as one of the favorites for the Breeders' Cup mile. What did you think of master of the seas effort here, JK? Well, I mean, look, when these Charlie Appleby runners, you always want to kind of have your eyes on them to see, you know, what they can be slam dunks uh, like modern games was. But I will say this. You've said the word a couple times. I thought it watching the race galloping, galloping, galloping. And if I remember correctly, I know it's been a while since we've been at San Anita. Galloping type milers. Are, do I, I, We don't love them going uh, the two-turn mile on fast ground at San Anita. And obviously at this time of the year when you're watching these races, I'm so much less concerned about what I saw in the Woodbine Mile, as I am in how it pertains to what I'm going to be doing the first Saturday in November. And uh, that w- that's the first thing that popped in my head is, do I want a galloping type going that uh, tight two turns on fast ground at Santa Anita? I said very similar things on the airwaves that, you know, typically their fast ground tight two turn, tight uh, two turn mile, you- you're looking for a quickener. Now, it's, it's not that a horse like th- this can't win, but I'm going to want like a race shape that really flatters him or something along those lines. And I'm not, and I'm going to want, you know, the absence of quickening group one types coming over. And, and, you know, we probably, there probably will not be an absence of those. There will probably be a plethora of those. So it is possible that, you know, with all the understandable attendant Appleby hype that this horse goes off a modern games type of a price, but maybe isn't quite a modern games type of a chance. We'll have to see how the race shapes up, but, off this big number and, uh, you know, just the general Appleby narrative stuff, it is possible Master of the Seas might actually be an underlay in this race, and we're going to want to look elsewhere. Obviously, we need a lot more information about that. But, yeah, you and I are reading from the same playbook, I think, as far as the Woodbine Mile goes. Was there anybody else in here that uh, you had any any notes on coming out of the race, J. King? You know, not really when a horse that, 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 that you know, kind of runs away, what he went by three in there, that, that just, that, yeah. In, in time from us didn't have a figure up yet. Um, so did you, did you see a buyer? Yeah. The buyer was one Oh four. Yeah. I mean, that's a fast time, you know? Um, but that's also a time that's going to get this horse played. Like you mentioned, like he's modern games and you know, modern games feels like a different type of animal, like, you know, a little bit more of a turn of foot type. Yeah, definitely more. I think a, a little bit more, a little bit more versatile, maybe when you talk about quickening and, and, and galloping than, than Master of the Seas is. Who, it looks more like that, that pure galloper. One horse I do want to highlight coming out of here is Cheryl Spite, because this horse now 
um, you know, for as good as he's been, just one for eight around Woodbine. And this was a point I'm stealing fully from Jeff Bratt, who I did the preview show with, who who thinks that the galloping one-turn configuration actually isn't what Cheryl Spite is all about, and that he much prefers the the more typical uh, south-of-the-border two-turn mile configuration. If that's right, I wonder if Cheryl Spite, especially if they run... I don't know how this timing works out, but if they run into the, 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 I'm not saying necessarily for the BC mile, you know, obviously a little tested for class there, though we almost won the damn thing last year. So you, you wouldn't rule them out, but uh, definitely a horse to take a look at in, um, in, in the continental United States, should he turn back there? Cause I thought, I thought he ran really well from a, from a tricky position to beat the rest of them there on a course that probably is not uh, is not his favorite so we'll see how it uh, turns out with Cheryl Spite and Master of the Seas going forward let's move to more grade one action and we'll make this race our Adelphi performance of the week because the winner Carson's Run trained by one of the uh, the main Adelphi trainers Christophe Clement this one though uh, owned by West Point Thoroughbreds and uh, Stephen Boucher. And Carson's run very, very good in this grade one. Ends up winning by two and a half. My Boy Prince runs a good race. There were questions about the distance. There were questions about uh, moving on to the turf from the synthetic. And he didn't run badly at all, but uh, not able to really uh, lay a glove on Carson's run when the real running started. This one came back an 80 buyer speed figure. Not, not exactly the stuff that's going to make you say, Oh, here's a horse I want to, um, you know, follow all over myself to bet in a race like the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. But it was a terrific training performance. And, uh, yeah, Clement, again, just a key member of the Adelphi team. So even though this is the slowest of the three races we're going to talk about, in theory, I still think this one is deserving of an Adelphi performance of the week. Carson's run paying 860 in the summer stakes. What were your thoughts on this performance? Well, it's funny. I, I really liked Carson's run when he ran at Saratoga. And, and I thought, uh, well, it, you know, the, the, the debut race was closing into a slow pace and I mean, and, and ran away from them late. I liked Carson's run in the, in the stake start at Saratoga. And, and I knew they had plans in an interview leading up to the race. Terry Finley, like said a quote, I don't, I don't know exactly what it was. I'm paraphrasing. It was something to the effect of like, yeah, we, you know, we are talking about how they named the horse who has a very similar, I believe named after a young man who has, I, I want to say the same um, uh, medical and, and, and uh, disability as, as the Cody's wish as Cody Dorman. Cody Dorman. Yep. And so they named the or her horse uh, after Carson, a young man, Carson. Well, he had said something like, oh, well, you know, this is we're looking forward to this to get us out to the Breeders' Cup. Like basically like had already stamped his ticket. I know how much they like this horse. And I think getting a victory at Woodbine in this race really kind of puts this horse back in the mix. But remember, often the horses, the two-year-old races, when they're fast at Woodbine, those horses run big. Pizza Bianca, if I'm not mistaken, uh, ran in, in that fast race. The Talma winner, uh, the Talma winner, it, it, you know, and then came back and ran. And so I'm a little concerned about the number being a little bit light. But remember, these two year old races, sometimes, you know, you'll go in there with with horses that are running 79s and 83s that are the favorites. So you, you've got to kind of let the field unfold. And, and as all of these grass races will go, it matters what they bring over. Uh, if they bring over the good ones, then, you know, these 80s aren't going to get it done. 
they bring over the B team, we can get lucky with these 80s. I've been hesitant to do much in the way of previewing um, the any Breeders' Cup turf races. We've talked, Matt Bernier has been a regular guest on Horse Player Happy Hour throughout the season, and we've talked about the different dirt divisions, but because of that exact reason you mentioned, JK, I'm hesitant to even try to preview the turf races because it is so dependent on what comes over, and I have this sneaking suspicion that what happened last year with the, the shippers coming in earlier, especially the O'Brien shippers coming in earlier than they used to, and then having all that success, that they're going to probably try to uh, repeat that pattern. And the idea that as good as they've been over the years, they could now have maybe unlocked the key to be even better. It could mean our juvenile turf horses might be uh, a, a little bit up against it, but who knows? I mean, Carson's run obviously going to continue to develop here as well as um, an improving late season two-year-old. I'd love to see him run well. And you know, Clement for me is just a trainer. I don't, I don't stop and talk enough about how much I like Christophe Clement in general. I just feel like this is a guy who, you know, was one of the first pet trainers I ever had in, you know, the late nineties, bringing these horses in from the French provinces and uh, winning grade three stakes and, and, and above with Jose Santos in the irons. And, and just feels like one of the first angles I was onto was the, the Clement shippers. And it's been interesting now to see him competing regularly at the, at the grade one level and succeeding. And he's still somebody, you know, when a guy has so many horses, it's hard, you know, guys like him in motion who I used to bet, you know, in that like pet trainer category. Now they have so many horses that it's, you know, you can't automatically use them or anything like that, but I always do give them an extra consideration. And it's been really fun being part of Delphi and uh, actually getting to say, I have a horse trained by uh, Christophe Clement. It's, 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 it's a fun, it's been a a fun little uh, adventure in my, on my horse playing journey. Matt was great. Matt Kater from Adelphi was great when he was on with us previewing races at Saratoga. I hadn't realized that you knew him, JK. Where do you know him from? Just around Saratoga? Yeah. Um, you know, it's a funny story. I believe they were the first ones that reserved the name Salivo. Salivo and, the Salivo Spritz horse, right? Well, yeah, they named it Salivo, but then I think like they ta- they they had a conversation with the family about like you know, you know, I think there was kind of a cheaper like turf sprinter type. And they're like, oh, can we save the, that name for a, for a bigger horse? So then I think they agreed on Salivo Sprint. So that entire process is when I got to know Matt. And then um, Nancy and Matt, my mother-in-law, are like, they chat all the time. Nancy uh, has some, is involved with some horses at Adelphi um, through all of that conversation. And, and they, they talk, they probably talk once every couple of weeks. So um, that's kind of how I, I got to know Matt. Gotcha. Yeah, Salivo Spritz. We, I was part of Salivo Spritz as well, and we ran in a maiden claimer first out and actually somehow got taken by uh, connections I wasn't really familiar with, and uh, it hasn't gone great for her since. Uh, it is a fantastic name. Maybe, maybe, she'll get, uh, maybe she'll get her act together at, at some point. But, you know, even when something like that happens, it's like I was just so impressed by the level of communication and you know, the clubby feeling of, of what goes on uh, for Adelphi. Anyway, for more information, AdelphiRacing.com. Matt, indeed, is a fantastic guy. Reach out to him with your racing's question. Carson's Run is our Adelphi Racing Performance of the Week. Let's talk about uh, She Feels Pretty, JK, the winner of the Johnny Walker Natalma. Grade one action up at Woodbine. This was the one, one of those ones where I got to feel smart for uh, five minutes for uh, giving this one out. 
um, in our coverage and on and on TV. Not as a solo play. I also liked uh, Ozara. It was more of a, a double win, double each way kind of thing. But this race came back quicker. This was an 85. Uh, she scores at uh, $18 and looked terrific in the process, winning rather easily. Cherie DeVos, first grade one winner, I believe. John Velasquez in the irons for this one. And another one who I feel like you know has now won and is in the Breeders' Cup and will go there with a chance. Obviously, how good of a chance? It probably depends on what they send over. But uh, very, very nice effort from this daughter of Tarakani. Well, we, we talked about earlier uh, with Master of C, we talked about galloping type. And we, and we talk about looking for horses that have turn of foot, horses that can 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 are athletic that can navigate those tight two turns the fast ground that you're going to see at Santa Anita well this horse won first out going five and a half so if you can win first out going five and a half there's nothing gallopy about you right you're a you're a turn of foot type you're a a quicken type you're um uh, an athletic horse uh, they can really get their feet underneath them and so I, I think and with a fast number like that we said when the numbers are fast at Woodbine um, and, and they, they usually translate. And so she's definitely one that, uh, could get interested in, but like you said, you know, and I don't, I don't want to give the, the race short shrift. It's just, it's that simple, a horse I'm interested in, but it all depends on what they bring and what they do in these races. It, it's, it's all dependent, uh, on that, it, you know, and plus keep in mind, we're going to get another round of, 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 of two-year-old Philly preps, right? You'll get the, you'll get the, uh, I want to say the pilgrim. That's the Colts. That's right. That's the Colts. So it's the, uh, I'm going to go, I'll figure, I'll think about it before I forget. The one at Belmont. Um, No, she, no, she won at Saratoga. Keith, uh, oh, golly. I'll remember it when I stop talking about it. Kinshin ran in it and got second or third. Um, Miss Grillo. Miss Grillo. See, I I knew when I stopped talking, we'd get there. And then, and then also, you know, you'll get the race at Keeneland. So there's a lot of, there's, you know, there's still some opportunities to see some of these jump up, but 85 number turn of foot trained by Cherie ridden by Johnny. uh, You've got my attention. Beating that big full field. uh, Very impressive. And yeah, part of the case for this one was on pedigree. You would have said the five was inaccurate. It was inadequate for she feels pretty being by Caraconti breeders cup uh, mile winner. And uh, out of a more than ready, damn more than ready, obviously they can sprint, but uh, mile well within the reach. And she showed that the other day. Very, very interesting and more good. Uh, you know, the Ellis Park form. It's not your uh, it's not your older uncle's uh, Ellis Park form when you're looking at some of these races with Kentucky through the KTDF making these efforts to become a year round racing circuit. Uh, these races are the form is holding up all over. Uh, the place. And that's just something to something I would say to be, be uh, paying attention to. It's not, you, you'd be making a mistake to dismiss races. Oh, cause it was Ellis. We, we, I mean, you, I'm sure you saw that at Saratoga a lot. Now, granted we bet against a lot of Ellis horses that benefited on the dirt from that, um, you know, front running uh, bias, but you know, there were plenty of closers that were compromised there that have come back to do really well. It's, it's, it's a track that needs to be paid attention to more than five years ago. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's some real horses come out of there. Um, you know, we saw it at Saratoga too, even despite the, the racetrack that you mentioned, how it became, uh, you know, it was, you know, pretty, 
well publicized it was a it was a, it was a biased racetrack I, I i remember a couple horses running through that 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 bias you know uh you know being on the on the good part of the racetrack and still showing up and causing confusion at saratoga yes no doubt let's talk about a question we have one we're gonna do one question today and then i'm gonna put this out there if you're listening and you've got breeders cup questions jk is gonna be with me it's just gonna be us i think for horse player happy hour this week so let's do some early breeders cup questions we do a show we're not ready for this show yet we do a we always do our way too early breeders cup and derby predictions let's do our way too early breeders cup questions for horse player happy hour this week get involved go to horseplayers.com turn twenty dollars here's the pitch turn twenty dollars into ten thousand there's three different ways you can do that um one is just the the most straightforward is the uh the, the just you win this if you finish in the top 10% on Thursday in this contest, you win your way into the $179 feeder. Uh, but we're going to do a live stream from four to five on Thursday. We will answer your breeders cup questions. So hit us up with them. Twitter's one way, but it's probably better. The Twitter algorithm is so weird these days. I swear. I don't see what I want to see nearly as much as uh, I used to on there. Granted, I'll, pr- if you send me this, I can, I, I, I if you, you tag me, I should see it, but, Let's um, let's say instead, or in addition, use the contact page over on InTheMoneyPodcast.com. That comes straight to my email. Let us know your, your Breeders' Cup questions for that show. But we had a good question I've been meaning to get to for, for a minute here. And I'm going to just look it up real quick. And uh, I will read it out in its entirety, and we will answer it. This one came from Jim, who wants to know, and some of this I don't have the answer to, but I think it's a good good topic to to opine on for a bit do we know of anyone who's done an official analysis on the accuracy of various speed figures buyer timeform us thoroughbred? are they all reasonably accurate or is one better than the other i just thought this would be a good topic for us to riff on jk um so we'll start with you how do you assess the relative merits of buyer timeform us thoroughbred and other speed figures so you know the thoroughbred and the sheets like I don't, or, or Ragazin or whatever, I don't even know which yeah, one to win. I just, I know, I know that theoretically they give a lot of consideration to ground law. So I've never just gotten into them because, you know, it's, it's, I'm a person that believes that the rail is, 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 is not where you want to be nowadays. So I think sometimes that can be a little. We lost you there for a second, JK. We'll see if you come back. If not, I can always edit. Hopefully he'll come back. But I mean, I take the point Jonathan's making is ground loss is something that matters when it matters. And with modern racetrack maintenance, the uh, sometimes that with the, when there's a dead rail, why are you going to give, why are you going to take away credit for a horse that was on the, the worst part of the track? And why are you going to give credit to a horse that was on the worst part of the track? So that's a, that's a fair point. What I, but I will say this, what I mean, horsemen, horsemen rely on the sheets tremendously and you know i'm not going to just dismiss that out of hand and i think one thing that the sheets really do a great job of and i don't use them regularly but when i do look at them and i will look at them for the breeders cup they really give you a great sense of a horse's condition just the way that they're laid out it's almost like looking at a graph of a horse and you can really see like where the peak efforts have been and i do find it helps me predict which when i talk about condition i'm talking about which way a horse is going. In other words, 
can we expect an improved effort? Are we looking for um, a horse that may, you know, in their terminology, bounce? But, you know, I don't necessarily believe in bounce, but there are sometimes cases where you can just look at the pattern and I guess I'm sounding kind of flaky here, but you can like look at the pattern and, and kind of predict which way the horse is going to go. And I know a lot of, a lot of trainers do this with impunity. Did, did we get you back, JK? We did not get JK back. I thought he was there, but he's not. If he can hear, leave and come back. Maybe that'll work. But that is the issue with them. I, again, if I, if I have all the time in the world, I do want to look at them. Looks like we have you back now, JK. Nope. <laughs> false alarm. False alarm. He's leaving and coming back. But we did. He will. When he comes back, we're going to have it. So that's the issue with those. For me, time, form, and buyer, I love looking at them both. I really love having multiple perspectives on the figures. So if I can look at time, form, and buyer, when they agree, I'm going to bet that number with more confidence. And when they disagree, what they're doing is they're highlighting a race that I really want to pay attention to the horses coming out of that race to get a line on which figure I think is correct. And when you, you can really pick up an edge that way, but I don't think you can necessarily pick it up from looking at one or the other. I really think it's a case where your best bet is to look at more than one figure source. Let me see if we got Jonathan back. Or I think back, back now. I don't know what happened there. No worries. I, I sort of talked through your point about, you know, why would you give extra credit for a, for a horse riding on the best part of the track, et cetera, et cetera. And then with time form and buyer, I said, I don't really like one more than the other. I really like the ability to use both. And then the other advantage, of course, of time form is having that pace line is just awesome. And I think that can really help you evaluate a horse's condition as well as to just plot a race map in your head. And then, of course, you get the, the pace projector with time form that's incredibly valuable as well. How do you use time form and buyer? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like what you said, you know, I heard you kind of talk a little bit about how the, you know, the sheets and, and, and how they can kind of really show you a, a, a what, what kind of trend a horse is in. I, I feel like I can do the same thing with time from U.S. and buyer. It's, it's about opening yes. your, your brain to is there a trend here? And, yep. and you know, if you if you you can you can see it sometimes, I guess sometimes it's a little more graphically um you know, it's graphically easier to see it being presented in terms of like how the sheets are. Um, but to answer, I also try to answer the initial question, which was like, do I find one figure to be more predictable, more dependable than the other? I think they're all, I would imagine. Well, it's so I would think they're all about the same because they're all kind of based on the similar science that Andy Byer kind of, you know, founded with these track variants and, and, and understand using what other horses have been running to evaluate what the number is and tracks change. So I would imagine that they're all pretty, pretty much in line the same, but also it's like the, it's a, it's a, it's a hard thing to quantify whether a figure is right or wrong. Right. Like, like let's say a horse runs a 90 on January 1st and then he comes back on February 1st and runs an 88 well or let's say he runs an 80 well doesn't mean the 90 was wrong it just means he ran an 80 today you see what i'm saying and like so i don't i, I think it's hard to quantify exactly when a number is quote unquote right if that makes sense it does make sense i mean there are people database oriented people some of whom listen to this gosh it wouldn't shock me if marshall graham did a study at some point like this where you could 
come up with different criteria to try to determine which one is more accurate. If anybody out there has done a study like this and wants to wants a platform for your work or to share your work, we, I'd, I'd love to talk more about it and see. I, I just you know. I would be curious what the definition of accurate is. Like, how yes. would you how would you quantify accurate? Like, for instance, in football, when when I coached, we had a system of a good play on offense and a bad play. And it was black and white. A good play on first down was getting half of the distance to like, you know, on first and 10, did you gain five yards? Half or more of the down to go was considered a good play. Less than that was considered a bad play. And then on second down, did you get half or more? Third down, did you get, did you convert? Like that's, it was very simple, black and white on whether or not it was a good or bad play. I don't understand. I'm not really sure how you would quantify whether or not a figure was right because they're individual performances where a horse could run a 90 one day, but then could come back and not run as well and run an 80. So maybe the 90 was right. And maybe the 80 was right. Or maybe the 90 was wrong and the 80 was wrong. You, you, you can't, there's, it's hard to tell me, it's hard to figure out in my brain, which one is means like accurate. You know what I mean? Yeah. You certainly couldn't do it with a small sample. I feel like in a really, really large sample, I'd be interested to know, you know, Something, I mean, to study it too, you'd have to try to make it simple, like high figure in the race, winning percentage next time out kind of thing, or maybe even ROI um, next time out. There, there'd be, there'd be some ways to, uh, there, there'd be some ways to at least look at the data and, uh, and get, you know, it would just be a talking point um, and something to, something to, to have a look at. And it's, it's an interesting topic and one that I promise we will come back to, but JK, you've got a flight to catch. I've got a workman at the door here. That's all the, uh, that's the, all the calls that we've been getting uh, throughout the course of this show. So we're going to, we're going to cut this one short, dirty 30 edition of uh, the, in the money players podcast. Actually, I think I have one more ad break to get in JK. So we're going to let you go and I'll be back right after this. But if you have a quick closing thought for us, it's going to be back. Uh, see you on, on Thursday for horse player happy hour, then Friday for the late week show. Love it. Great to have you back, my friend. And uh, I'll be back with the close of the show right after this. As folks know, we love working with the Breeders' Cup over here at In The Money Media. And there's a bunch of win and you're in stuff coming up, really heating up over the next couple of weeks. This weekend is an off weekend, but then 12 Challenge Series races from across the globe. Friday, September 29th, Saturday, September 30th. There's going to be two-year-old turf racing from Newmarket and also domestic action Aqueduct, Churchill Downs, Santa Anita, Sunday, October 1st. That's a big day for the international stars with Arc Day, five challenge series races from Longchamp, including, of course, the Qatar Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe. Additionally, all entry fees for the winners are covered and a $10,000 award to the nominator for these win and your in horses. Be sure to stay tuned to In the Money Media for all of your Breeders' Cup coverage. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks to JK. Thanks to all of our partners, especially our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing. You know how we love to root for the purple and black around here and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. I'm actually pumped. I'm heading up to Saratoga today. I'm going to be visiting the Wallkill Correctional Facility tomorrow to check out the Second Chances program there. Had a chance to visit Blackburn near Lexington. Um, gosh, it was a, a, more than a year ago now and was just so impressed by the work that TRF are doing with these horses, with these humans through the Second Chances program. Donate and give generously trfinc.org players 
Most of all, though, want to thank all of you for listening, making these shows so much fun to do. Really appreciate it when people come up to us when we're out in the wild and tell us how they, much they like the shows and really appreciate uh, every comment we get, constructive criticism, whatever it is, feel free to reach out, whether it's through the contact page over at In The Money Media or through Twitter. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos!